Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Live Free Creative, the podcast that provides inspiration and ideas for living a creative, adventurous, and intentional lifestyle. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I hope that each time you listen, you feel a little bit more free to live your life exactly the way you want to live it. Hi there, friends. You're listening to episode 93 of Live Free Creative. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and today I have a fun episode for you. I'm interviewing debut author Tiffany Rosenhan about her creative process and her upcoming young adult novel, Girl From Nowhere. Fun backstory. I grew up with Tiffany before she was a Rosenhan. She and I went to elementary school together, lived in the same neighborhood. Actually, her older sister was one of my good friends when I was eight, nine, ten years old. And so we ran in the same circles for a long time and have a lot of similar friends. A couple years ago, when I still lived in Texas, I was hanging out with my neighbor and really good friend, Kara, and she mentioned that she had been previewing and reading a manuscript by our mutual friend, Tiffany. Kara raved about this book and how excited she was for Tiffany pursuing publishing. And here we are a couple years later, and Girl From Nowhere is going to be released in July. I know that things like this sometimes feel like they just happen overnight, and that's never ever the case. I love talking to people and hearing their background and their stories and how their creative hobbies and passions and pursuits lead them down a pathway to maybe sometimes an unexpected outcome. I also couldn't wait to get my hands on an advanced copy of this young adult novel, and I have to tell you, I was not disappointed. It is an action-packed thriller, spy, with a little romantic twist, and a strong, confident, brave, young female lead. I'm so excited to share with you this candid conversation that I had with Tiffany about her book and about life and about her creative process. As we were chatting, a couple things jumped out at me that I just wanted to point out before I jump into the interview. The first is the importance of curiosity, how sometimes just paying attention to the small things that really interest us, that we don't even know why they interest us, but they do, that those can have an impact on what we do. And as we follow our curiosity with creativity and and with some confidence, that we can discover new things about ourselves and maybe even create things that didn't exist before. The second thing that really jumped out at me from our conversation was the power of perspective. Several times throughout our interview, Tiffany talks about how this is so fun and it's been such a wild ride and such a big deal to have this book coming out. She's been working on it for years and years and finally we're at this point. And through all of that, it hasn't ever been the thing that was most important. And being able to maintain her perspective on 
her family and her role as a wife and as a mother, that 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 has enabled her to feel peace even as things in her life and in this creative pursuit of becoming a published author have gone up and down. It was such a good reminder to me of how little we can control about our circumstance and how very much we can control about our perspective, our thoughts, and how we see ourselves within lives that we sometimes cannot control. Okay, friends, sit back and relax and enjoy this fun conversation I had with my friend and debut author, Tiffany Rosenhan. Hello, Tiffany. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Miranda? Good. It's so great to talk to you. I'm super excited to have you on the show and to be able to ask you all the questions, learn all the things about your new book. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to share it. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So for for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, I would love for you to just give us like a little background spiel on who you are, where you're from, and how you got to this place right now where you're on the cusp of your first book being released. Oh, okay. So I am Tiffany Rosenhan. I am an identical twin, which is kind of a fun fact. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I have four daughters whom I've stayed home with and raised since I was very young. (laughs) So I I graduated college with a degree in um, political science, and I was kind of young. I was 20 years old, and I was married and about to have a baby, and I just decided to stay home with my daughters, and I did, but I never stopped um, engaging, and I I just love to read, and I love to write, and it just kind of evolved over time, and now I have a young adult novel coming out, which is kind of fun, so it all kind of happened organically. I never had any grand plan. I feel like I maybe should have, and but I never did. I just was enjoying my time being home and writing on the side. I love that. that. So hindsight is always a little bit 2020 with these things. Right. Like, oh, it looks like it was a plan. Like, it, how could I not have had a grand plan and emerged where I am? I think it would have saved me some time, I think, if I'd had a, had a sense of what I wanted to do. Although, do you feel like because of the, the steps of the journey being what they have been, and we'll get more into what those look like, because I don't even know. Do right. you feel like you could be where you are without having gone through all of the different, you know, meanderings and phases? I like, mean, could you, could you I skip think... some steps? Absolutely. I feel like had I, yes, I feel as though it's creatively, the process had to evolve really organically, but there was a lot of logistical and technical things I could have rearranged to make it a little smoother process. If I'd wanted to, you know, publish a young adult fiction book by a certain amount of time, I think things could have moved quicker in different elements, but I also think the story kind of just evolved and I'm so happy I never published sooner because if I look back at previous drafts and other versions, it was never what I wanted. So mm-hmm. on some sense, yes, I think for anyone that wants to be a published author, there's so many ways to take that happen a lot quicker. But for me, that was, that was off my radar for a really long time until suddenly it became like something I wanted to do. So yeah. oh, that's what you want out of, out so of you it. Can, so you can save those of the people who are listening who have an interest in writing a book. I know so many people. Right are like, I, I do want to do this. I do have a goal of being a published author. So you can save us some, save us some time. You'll give us some. Absolutely. Oh, well, I don't know if I'll try. <laughs> but I love everything it. I do, just do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As we all do. I really think that's the only way to learn. Right? <laughs> by trying something, by experimenting, right. Right? right? Okay. So I want to just back up to the very beginning when you started writing this story. Was this story that is being published, Girl From Nowhere, the story that you began years and years ago when you were like, oh, I just want to write in my spare time when my kids are napping, or did it 
start as something else? You know, have you written multiple and this is like the one that happens to, you know, have enough interest or is this the story you've been working on since you began writing? Well, that's a good question. I feel like the main character, her name's Sophia, she's been in my head a really long time. And it's funny, I look back and I was actually living in Taiwan. This was years ago. I was 19. I was with my twin sister and we were at a, we were at a night market, which is a really fun, vibrant, really chaotic city market. And it's, there's lots of noise and congestion and it's, it's just, it's very chaotic if you're unfamiliar with it. And even if you are, and I got lost and suddenly I was alone in an alleyway and I couldn't find my sister. And I became as a very unfrightened and uneasily panicked person, I became very frightened very easily and realized I don't know how to get home. And this was pre-internet, pre-cell phones, or, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I, I somehow I made it my way back and I turned a few corners and ended up back with my sister and I was so relieved. But in that moment, I had this vision of myself but as this girl and I thought, why, why am I, who am, who, who is she running from? Why? How is she going to escape? Mm-hmm. And that girl just kind of never left me this sense, but she wasn't a character. She wasn't, she was just this idea in my head. So on one hand, Sophia has been with me a long time, but the story was, came much later. And so I never wrote, I was never a trained writer and I never, I mean, my last English class was AP English in high school, which I think I barely passed the exam. So I never was a trained writer and I never thought, how do I structure a story? How do I tell a story? I never thought of myself as telling a story. I just liked to get on my computer with a pen and paper at night after my kids were in bed and just write for fun. And I think there was a two-pronged approach. One, one sense this character had been with me a long time and another, I, another approach was that I just wrote anything for fun for a really long time until I started to, until this character started to take shape. Mm-hmm. And that was years and years after just writing with my laptop at night for fun. So writing was just a creative escape and just a creative just exercise. Creative. Absolutely. And I have so, in fact, the first story I ever wrote that was like start to finish was about, I look back and I cringe, of course, as all writers do, but I look back and it was just this mom staring at her daughter and she realizes she's named her the wrong name. And we laugh at this because that was like, I, I named my oldest daughter and we got home from the hospital and I was like, that's not, that's not what I named her. And my husband's like, yeah, it is. You're like, the drugs wore off and now I have clarity. (laughs) And her name is Savannah and it still is. And my husband loved the name and our compromise was since he named her and I don't remember this, I got to name all of our next children. So So that was my first story and it was so silly and, you know, kind of had no plot whatsoever, but that was the first story. I was like, oh, start to finish. It's a story. Yeah. Not when anyone else ever wants to read, but for me, it was just, it was just fun to write anything. It didn't really matter if it was fiction, nonfiction, creative, replica, if it was a replica of something that already existed. It just all helped me learn to put words on a page. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I like to do. So when did Sophia become part of the story that you were writing? When did she go from being kind of this idea of maybe some characteristics that you found important or valuable or interesting into taking form within the story that she emerged in with Girl From Nowhere? It's hard to say. I'd have to look back and say, like, pinpoint the precise date, but it's been years. I mean, I would say five or six, I mean, longer, probably. I feel like I wrote about her for so long without ever her creating. Like a, uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like she was just, I was always just trying to find her voice. So I'd say the first full story where Sophia was like the narrative, the protagonist. And there's a lot of, as an aside, there's a lot of plot in my story. You know, it's 
they're it's kind of like in the world of thrillers and there's adults play a role and so it was hard to make Sophia the central character of this other plot I was creating so it's 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 like a definitely a complicated process and I don't know if it always has to be complicated mm-hmm. but I tend to complicate things the way I write <laughs> I dig myself in the holes so it's hard to say I mean I'd have to look back like five six seven eight nine ten years ago I don't even remember wow, yeah <laughs> it's been so long it feels like she's always been a part of my writing I love it's, that it's interesting the way it becomes a story because once you start thinking of her as the protagonist then suddenly you have to spend a lot of time developing other parts of the story not just her because it wasn't a literary piece and it wasn't a diary it was I, I like to say she's just a 15 year old girl with a complicated life mm-hmm. and it was figuring out how those complications affected her and I mean I could go back and look but she's figuring out how she fits into the story and how to tell a story about her that people would want to read. And I know I'm talking about her like she's a real person and she's not, but. No, I think she, characters do a, that. She, yeah, and you know what? I think she's, a, she's an image system for what I want my girls to believe about themselves. I want them to be brave and confident and take hold of their own future and opportunities, even if other people treat you in a way that you can't control. And that was yeah. the character I saw in her. That was my next question. Like, what what are some of the defining, you shared a couple of them, maybe you could elaborate even more. What are some of the defining characteristics or values that Sophie has that you either, I mean, some of the reasons that you love her and do you feel like you find those in yourself? How are you alike and how are you different from this character that you created? <laughs> oh, I'm so different in so many ways. <laughs> I think she's, you know, I, I had a lunch and I, someone asked this question and my, what do I hope people get from the book? And I think for me, addressing a young audience, I would say, I hope the young female readers see the best in themselves when they read about Sophia. Mm-hmm. She is just a 15-year-old girl with a complicated life and she has insecurities and she has vulnerabilities, yet she also has the resources and skills to challenge herself and to fight through hardship to become her best self. And I think there's a level of resilience and determination that she has that I would hope for my young daughters. And I know I don't, probably don't always articulate it well, but that's at least how I view her in my head. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> I hope young girls, I hope that resonates with young girls because they don't have to be perfect to be brave. They just have to act bravely when it's needed. Right. And I would definitely think her confidence and bravery at times of crisis is something I would hope to have and hope to inspire young among young readers. Yeah, I love that. She definitely is a strong teenage female lead, <laughs> which is which is interesting because she's so young in the book, but it's like right. but she exhibits a lot of characteristics of an older, more mature person just because of her very unique life experiences. Right, her experiences, yes. She's had to and grow up know, pretty quickly. Right. And that's something that's hard to navigate is it, it's it's a hyper reality. It's not a true story. It's not nonfiction. Right. I'm not trying to write something that doesn't exist. It's just, I want it to be fun and playful and at the same time have uh, authentic elements to it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Something I was so impressed by when I read it, I mean, I read it in two days and oh. <laughs> if I didn't have children, it would have been in one day because oh, my good. children needed to like eat. <laughs> so I took time off from reading to like take care of them oh. <laughs> and then jump right back in. I was absolutely drawn in from the first chapter. I was super impressed with the level of detail of the reality of these places. Now, the book doesn't take place in one location. It takes place all, either actually physically all over the world or in memory 
all over the world in like really specific ways, like streets and um, types of clothing and cultures and food and buildings and bakeries. And I was like, how, <laughs> I'm so curious. And so I'm so excited to ask you, like, I know that you've spent a lot of time traveling. How did you do the research? I mean, is so much of this from personal experience or did you just do a ton of research? How did you create this world that is the real world in such detail without having, I don't know that you've been to all of the places that are listed in the book. I would expect that you haven't. I don't know. Have you been to all of these places? Have you? Oh, I, I have been to many. I have not been to all. I wish I'd been to all. Yeah. No, that's very, that's very nice of you to say. I try to replicate places that I have been. Like I said, I haven't been every place. There's, there's quite a few I hope to go to, but I have been to many of them. And if not one place I mentioned, I've maybe been somewhere similar. Yeah. And it's nice of you to say that it felt real because that was hard to do. I want it to, I want you to recognize the location for more than just a name, mm-hmm. or a noun. I want it to be something and feel something real. And what I've noticed is when I've traveled, what's most interesting to me is my husband always jokes, but I love to go to a grocery store. I'm like, well, what does their oatmeal look like? What do, wh- how do they, what kind of container do their strawberries come in? If they have juice, what does it look like? Is it fresh? Is it canned? Is it frozen I mean these things have always fascinated me and as a little girl I used to read geography books at my grandma's house and she had like every section of atlas was my favorite was it child's digest I can't remember one of those group collections and she just had every section since like 1948 (laughs) and I loved reading them and so I think it's a combination of a lot of research a lot of like primary source research and compiled by applying my own experience in a similar environment but it's really hard to do. And I think one thing that's really helped me is reading a lot of uh, nonfiction travel books Yeah. and just peeling like layers away of a city. It's not just, it's not just like the top 10 places to see, but where are those nooks and crannies that really identify a certain city, whether it's Vienna or Istanbul or Paris or Prague, what makes it unique and stand apart from other environments? Because each culture has created their own beautiful phys- physical identity. Right. You know, the stones they use in one city are different than the stones they use in a different city. And why is that? Oh, because, you know, this quarry nearby has this type of stone. And suddenly you start to recognize buildings, their location based on the raw materials used in their architecture. So that's always been interesting to me. I have no idea why, but it is. <laughs> I love it. Well, that comes out so fully just like, I mean, I'm, it's interesting to hear that you're that detail oriented in your life and travel as well. And I totally related to that because I, I love to travel so much. I have traveled a lot. And like, I feel like I hearing you talk, I'm like, yes, that's the way I feel. I want to not hit the top 10. I actually want to avoid the top 10. I want to go to the places where the people who live in the city are and like see it from their point of view in the way that you can as an outsider. I think that, I mean, it's probably impossible to actually, unless you really truly do live somewhere to get that feeling. But, but I love exploring underneath the thing that's the same everywhere. You spent last year, a couple months last year, traveling with your four girls and your husband, I believe as well. You took some time off. How do you feel like that experience has played into your family culture? And and why do you think that travel is so important? Well, I think I'm going to answer that question twofold. First, travel is important because I think you remove your family from your typical situation and insert yourself into an environment where you're forced to be together, act together, work together. And that's always been really special for my family, particularly with my husband's job before he's taking a break, semi-retired after after a stroke. And I think for us, it was always just removing ourselves from the 
daily expectations we place upon ourselves that enabled us to just focus and make eye contact and enjoy each other's company and slow down. And our lives were at a point where they were so, so busy and that only when we traveled and were away from our environment, it didn't matter where we were, but it was, we traveled a lot, whether internationally or domestically, just to be away from the demands we had on our time. And it wasn't until this past year that we realized how many demands we placed upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. So traveling has really enabled us to see that from a different perspective. And being away together as a family was really amazing. It's definitely changed the culture of our family. And it's interesting now because by the time my girls maybe return to school in September, they will spend two of the last 15 months in school. (laughs) And the rest of the time, I'm not really homeschooling. They're doing their schoolwork from their school. But in Europe, the last four months, we called it no schooling. And the reason we did that is because our family dynamic wasn't working trying to homeschool them in a vigorous way. And they were very, they're very independent learners. I'm lucky. They love to read. They love to do their work, but it didn't work to have me be really intense about it. That altered our dynamic and it wasn't a positive experience. So I think that they still learn so many things when left to their own creativity. My girls love to explore outside. They love to do art. And I think the more freedom I give them, the better, the more capable they could become of learning. And I feel as though if they learn how to learn, they will always be okay. And that's something I've really been inspired by other people who travel is I think your kids learn how to learn for themselves, how to ask questions, how to find answers. And I think of all these small experiences we've had, like when we were in November in France, living there for eight weeks in this house, there was massive flooding. And we got a phone call from our landlord saying, don't leave the house for three days. And we're like, kind of like what is going on and we could see the floodwaters had banked the river and it was kind of traumatic for them but we knew we were safe and things things tapered off and we were okay but it prepared us for this experience being together as a family feels really peaceful and it feels right and it feels like our children are have become very adaptable and that's something I really value in my children being adaptable being good learners not always being well behaved. I wish they were, but they're not. <laughs> they're <laughs> children. <laughs> they're children. And right. now we're learning how to navigate how to navigate that together. So I'm not sure I quite answered that question. But <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. It's been really great for us. No, I so what I pulled from your from your answer is that travel gives you as a family an opportunity to spend time together that you otherwise might not have. And I right. totally echo that for my own family. And it's it's right. almost like when you reflect that back, sometimes you're like, well, that's weird. Why can't we do that when we're at home too? But for right. whatever reason, when we all go away together, we're all away. And that creates right. like this unity. And, and then I also love what you talked about, no schooling. The idea that instilling like a love of curiosity, like figuring out what the problems are or what the questions are and then finding the solutions or the answers, that is what learning is. Like that's what we do and what matters in general education is that we become problem solvers and critical thinkers. I think sometimes in a, in a truly academic environment, we don't, they don't have that, that freedom. They don't actually get the chance to ask the questions and to find the solutions in the ways that might be more true to them. And so when I look back on my life and, and growing up traveling, I was lucky to live in a family where we traveled a lot. You know, some of it was like going to Southern Utah and going camping and hiking and backpacking. And some of it was going to Mexico or, you know, going to South America. Like all of it created a desire in me to learn more about the world and about other cultures and peoples that otherwise might not have been there. And understanding right. that I was just like one piece of this global community. And mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, I mean, in this, like you were saying, when you were in Taiwan, 
before the age of the internet, before having cell phones, before being able to, you know, watch a live of someone in China or whatever, like the world seemed so much bigger, but as soon as you travel and visit it, then it gets smaller and you feel connected to other people. And that's something that it's really hard to, to do in other ways. There's a humanity that comes with witnessing other people's ways of life. It can be different and still be good. I think that in reading your book, Sophia, growing up all over the world, which people who read that will, will experience pieces of that with her, settling down in Montana in this normal kind of high school, what, what most of us would consider like a pretty normal life is the adjustment. It's like, oh, right. this is what high school is like. <laughs> this is what normal teenagers do. This is what life can be. So interesting that she has so many experiences that that normalcy is what actually feels new. Okay, let's dig in for a few minutes on the actual publishing journey because I know that it's that okay. this is these are pieces that people are super interested in. So, when did you decide that you wanted to pursue traditional publishing with this novel? Like you knew this is this is the story that I want to actually publish or or did it even look like that? What did that look like for you the decision of like okay, I have a book. I've been writing for years and years and years, but this is something that I actually want to make available on the mass market. I had a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Kara Weiniger. Sorry, Kara, oh, yeah. I'm giving you a shout out. I love her. She'd, she'd read an early copy. We'd always kept in touch through email. I'm a Kyra Omega. That was my story in college. And when I, when we graduated college, we all moved away and we'd kept this email. And that was the way we kept in touch. We didn't have, I mean, I think we did have Facebook. I know we did, but we didn't, none of us really used it, but we did email. and. Kara found out I was writing and just said, send it to me, send it to me. And I was too embarrassed. So I'm like, no, I'm just working on something for fun. And she just pushed me and pushed me. So I sent it to her. Of course, as a good friend, she's just like, this is amazing. And, you know, and I was like, oh, no, no, Kara, you have to say that. You're my friend. But she kind of didn't let it go. And she kept reading drafts. And I had in the, simultaneously a few other individuals that were reading it. I kind of gave, had the confidence to let other people read it just to understand, like, what have I done? and What am I doing? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And Kara and a few others were the ones that said, why aren't you publishing? Why don't you try to publish? And so I thought I'll publish. And publishing is interesting if you're not coming from publishing. And the reason is you only get your information third, fourth, fifth hand. And I think things have changed in the last five years, but they're still changing. And I would say publishing is still a very traditional industry. And so many of the processes seem almost archaic to an outsider. Right. But there's a traditional agent. You have to have an agent in order to in order to submit to a, a traditional large publisher and even some smaller publishers. But I knew all along that with my skill set as a writer, I was new, I wasn't very well trained at all, not very practiced. I knew that in order for a fiction book to succeed, I personally felt like the only way to make that happen was to go with a traditional publisher. I didn't right. have the resources to publish myself, to hire the editorial staff necessary to produce something and I, I felt personally like it wasn't worth my, the strain, like the mental strain to pursue self-publishing, knowing that the outcome would be so much different than the outcome of books that have a traditional publishing house behind them. I also knew creatively, I couldn't get it to where it needed to be. I needed, I needed a publisher and I wanted a support staff around me, encouraging me, motivating me, and most importantly, giving me the editorial feedback I knew the book needed. I knew from the moment I decided to pursue publication, I would only publish traditionally. And I think there's so many other avenues for different types of book. I think children's picture books, I think a lot of nonfiction cookbooks, there are so many books that do very, very well outside of the traditional publishing world. For, for young adult fiction, it felt almost impossible to tackle the industry itself 
and the methods of distribution and review processes, they're all so ingrained with one another that I knew all along traditional publishing was what I wanted to do. So what, so what did it look like to, like, how did you go about getting an agent? I guess that's the first step. So you create a proposal. I mean, I know yeah, the steps, but yes. <laughs> yeah, create a query letter. You send it to a bunch Total, of agents. Did right. you get, find an agent first round? No, not at all. In fact, when I first queried, I, I was under the impression, and this is again, my feedback is so limited or my feedback, excuse me, my research is so limited. I mean, I was going to the library and researching online, like, what do you do? And I retrospectively realized my manuscript was nowhere near finished. And my query was basically just like a, Hey, do you want to publish this book? It looks kind of great. What do you think? <laughs> like it was just so <laughs> casual and I didn't know what I was doing. And so, no, 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 I got no, I got like no contacts. I got nothing. So I just kept working on the manuscript and I wasn't super concerned with querying because I kept circling back to the manuscript and also being afraid because I knew the manuscript wasn't ready. So at some point I went and I had a cousin living in New York City and he introduced me to a contact who by some turn of events introduced me to a man who later became my agent. And so like so often happens in publishing, it ends up being just a unique turn of affairs that happens. So I got to meet the right person. Yeah, Yeah. connecting the right person. And he, after not knowing how to query and not understanding how this process worked, I got a phone call and all my current agent Webster Stone said was, I've read the first two pages and I want to represent you. And this is, this is kind of what I want from you. And this is the expectations. Like I know, and I knew the manuscript needed to work and he knew it needed work. And so I was totally okay to work on what needed to be done. And, and that was that. And then when I rewrote the material, pretty much all of it, <laughs> we, we, he, he submitted a summer of 2018 to uh, publishers. And then I guess that's maybe the next part of your question, but that's how I got my agent. It feels so non-traditional based on a formula. And it, yet the more authors I talk to, the more I realize it's the much more common path. Yeah. There's always like two degrees of separation. It's not like right. it's very seldom right. that you're just sending it out to the world and then it gets picked up. It's like getting involved, knowing people, talking right. to people, talking to people who have right. contacts, like becoming immersed in it. And like, right. rather than just standing outside, like throwing totally. things at the dartboard. Well, and that's what I was thinking. You know, it's funny you learn as you go. But had I had I been less, it wasn't that I was secretive. It was just to me, writing was just a hobby. I didn't tell people about it. I didn't express like, I didn't identify as a writer. I didn't identify as an author. I mean, I still had people when I told people that the book is coming out, you know, two months ago that had no idea I'd ever written anything. It wasn't that I was ashamed of it. It just felt private and personal. And it was just something I did in my own time. It wasn't a job. I had obligations. But had I been more maybe proactive in declaring myself a writer, I'm working on this then you open yourself up to opportunities and you open yourself up to people contacting you. But if no one knows, you have no chance. So who knows, maybe if I'd opened up sooner, I would have gotten that phone call sooner. But at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't my primary focus at the time. Right. And I'm okay with how that, I'm very okay with how that played out. Yeah. It turned out for the best. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So then your um, agent sent it out to a, a big group of publishing houses or just a select few where you just wanted only a few or what was the kind of, um, you know, it's funny. I actually don't even, I don't, I wasn't really involved in that decision at all. Okay. So he just, but I'm, he sent it out to, I'm, he sent it out to the main publishers. And as soon as Bloomsbury came back with an offer, that was a hundred percent where we wanted to be. It was mm-hmm. like my dream publisher. So I feel really yeah. lucky. So as soon as Bloomsbury responded, that was, that was the perfect fit. And we felt a hundred percent. I personally, cause it was my book felt a hundred percent grateful and yeah. very happy with that but yeah that's awesome. you know you you people there's all these sorts of formulas for sending books out on submission and it works different for everyone but for me it was 
just was very fortuitous. In fact, this is the craziest thing of all is I, well, for me personally, was I've, I've struggled with this being a stay-at-home mother and also writing and what works for me. And I really wanted to prioritize the time at home with my kids. And yet I was on a trip with my husband and some friends and we were in Slovenia and I got home and I, I knew that Bloomsbury was interested because we'd had a few phone calls or I had a few phone calls with my agent, but he just, I, I think for agents, they don't want to tell you everything because they don't need to get worked up over anything. So right. I knew very little, but I get home from the airport, go straight to school pickup. And this is the first day of my life that my, all four of my daughters were in school all day. And I get a phone call at 3 p.m. Utah time. And that's the offer. And for me, it was so fortuitous that I get this offer to publish this book the same day. All my kids are in school all day. And it just felt like the timing was perfect for me. Everything, every delay, every missed opportunity, whatever you want to call them, I am so appreciative of because this enabled me to fulfill what I wanted to do, which is to be home when my children were really little. And it felt so right to say yes to an opportunity to work when they were all in school. It was yeah. so perfect for me. And I feel really grateful for that turn of events. So that's awesome. Th- what a, things work what out. A that's what sweet, I always say. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> sweet serendipity. Serendipitous, that's the right word. Serendipitous. I love hearing about once someone has signed with their publishing house, the process. It's been a couple years. Has it been a couple years? Right. No, no. I signed in September 2018. So it's September. Been about- so it's been a year and a half. Right. Okay. So you signed and the manuscript was done at that point, but still had to go through editing. Yeah. It's different for nonfiction and fiction because in nonfiction, the book isn't done. You sign with the publisher and then you have to write the book, but in fiction, (laughs) it's, it's, it's done, but it still needs to be worked through. Well, and it's hard. I I don't know other, uh, this is obviously my first book, so it's hard to have any like legitimate comparisons, but I, my perception is with debut authors, they do give about a two-year timeline because yeah. it's a new experience to work with an editorial staff. Yeah. And I was assigned a brilliant editor and I'm so grateful for that. But these revisions do take time. And I think from their end, they don't know how an author will respond to revisions. And so yeah. they want to give themselves some cushioning. And I was, at first, I signed in September 2018 and I knew the publication was July 2020. And so I thought the same thing. I'm like, that is almost two years away. What am I going to be doing? Right. And now I've learned that I first had to work on a lot of sections and make it more structured and cut words and revamp a few characters and just some tweaks here and there, but overall a lot of work. And I'm glad I had the time and the runway to take those revisions in my own time so I wasn't rushed so they definitely know what they're doing with these timelines even if it feels a little bit a little bit odd and then the second part of that is no one knows who I am and I've never written a book before I have no pub I've written but I have no publications to my name and so it's my and Bloomsbury's opportunity to introduce my name and my book to the world because there's no one anywhere looking for the next book by Tiffany Rosenhan. They don't yes. even know I exist. Right. So I think that yeah. timeline also plays into giving the publisher enough time to introduce my introduce me as an author and my book to pub, all of their distribution channels. So right. it makes sense, but it feels like a long, long, long way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's almost here. So how do you feel right. with the release so close? And like, like you have books that are in hand, you've given them to advance, advance copies to readers that are like able, like I was able to read it and like, Love it. You know, so how, how how does it feel now? Like, do you feel the way you thought you would? You know, it, I think I've had, it's been such a crazy year for my family that I feel like I'm just, sometimes I'm 
disconnected from it all. And so your readers know, a year ago last February, my husband had a hemorrhagic stroke and then brain surgery. And he's doing fantastic. But that was six months into my contract. And it just kind of put everything else in my life in perspective. And while this book has always been very important to me, my family is obviously most important. And so I've had to just, I'm constantly adapting to each day, figuring out how do I spend my time? How do I prioritize my time? And luckily, it all works out. And I have more than enough time to get done what I need to get done. But as far as the excitement, I feel mostly just super grateful that I have this opportunity. And I think had a focus of the last 12 months of my life had been only on the book, I would probably feel a lot more anxious and a mm-hmm. lot more nervous. But because I've had so many other personal family, other family tragedies and certain things going on that, and obviously the world situation right now, but I think I'm really able to put in perspective that this is a great opportunity I'm grateful for. And I'm really excited for the world to meet Sophia. At the same time, I'm mindful that that it's a unique time for a lot of people. And promoting myself and my book is not the primary focus of my life, nor will it ever be. I mean, my children are and my family is. And I think I can share Sophia and share Girl From Nowhere with the world and be excited about that. And at the same time, not let it control my life. Yeah. yeah. If that if that makes sense at all. That's fantastic perspective. I think that that's absolutely, I mean, feels really aligned. It, it's really fun to have all of that done. I mean, by digging in when you felt like you wanted to for creativity, for personal value, for spending time and pursuing this passion as a, as a hobby, as a side project, had you not done that, had you thought, right. <laughs> um, you know, all of those years, I really would like to write a book, but never actually do it, then you couldn't be here now because you, you had to do the, the work for, for yourself and for fun. And now right. that you're here at the other end of it, where, you know, this book is going to be launched into the world soon. That, um, <laughs> for better or worse, I always you can, Yeah, right. But you can just feel like, I mean, it's so, I feel like it, it, it is a fun perspective to realize that like you've done what you needed to do, you know, like there, there's, there's a little bit more. I mean, there obviously with books, there will always be promotion you can do there, but there also is no end to any of that. Like there is no end to the amount of promotion, to the amount of talking about it, to the amount of sales, to the amount of pitches. I mean, there's so much that that it almost feels good. Like, great. I, I can like do as much or as little and there will always be more opportunity for that. So it's okay to, if you need to, you know, and, you know, it's, it's a peaceful feeling. I don't feel anxious about it. I mean, I feel nervous um, that other people are going to read something that has been so personal for so long. Yeah. There's definitely a sense of intimidation and vulnerability I've never experienced in my life. Not very self-conscious. I never have been. I feel that maybe it's being an identical twin. You just kind of yeah. always have a twin and you don't care what anyone else thinks ever. <laughs> right. But I, I, do, I do feel mindful that I have children, daughters, and I don't want them to be negatively affected and impacted by, by a story I'm writing about a teenage girl. And so there's a sense of vulnerability and certainly humility that comes with other people reading something super personal. But overall, over the, my impression of how these next four months will go is hopefully very peaceful and enjoyable. And I just, I just want to enjoy the process. I don't feel anxious. I feel, I feel like what's done is done. Like you said, I can't really do anything to change people's opinion of the story. They'll either like it or they won't. And I hope they like it. And if not, it's just a story and it's fun. And I want people to read it and just feel like it was time well spent. And yeah. that's kind of all I'm asked 
from a reader is just to look back and think, oh, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I read that. I'm glad I took the time to sit on a couch on reading a book and not watching a show or playing a video game, but reading. Being transported to another yeah. another yeah. place, another, another place. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. The book yeah. releases. I mean, obviously you still are a mother of four and you still are home with your husband, right, right. you know, but like writing wise, what comes next? Well, this is a fun part to talk about. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say, but I am obviously working on the second book, trying to get that wrapped up. I really want to make sure I'm creatively, I want to make sure the book is creatively where I want it before we have a set publication date and set deadline. And uh-huh. so that's been really fun. I feel like I have so many opportunities creatively to take this story. I almost don't know where to, I almost don't know where to, where to end. So are you working <laughs> on it right now? You're in the, yes. like, you're yes. in the middle of it yes. because I have to yes. tell you, mostly Girl from Nowhere yeah. ends with a cliffhanger. Oh, do I you mean, you're so? like, well, <laughs> yes, because no, I won't say too much, but I'm like, uh, you're okay, Sophia, but we have some unresolved issues happening in the world. Okay, good. Well, hopefully that's how you felt. No, there's definitely book two. Um, I'm really excited. I think I, it's actually way more fun to write than book one because I feel good. I know a little bit more about how I write and how I creatively produce and most importantly, creatively edit. I don't feel tied to anything. I don't feel attached the way I felt previously to material that I had to cut. And I feel like I've been unleashed in a way with book two because suddenly I, it just feels like I can take this character. I don't want to, I'm trying to be careful with what I say, but this character continued to grow and still be herself. And that's really fun to enable someone to I'm going to use the word blossom, even though that's not a very good word choice. Yeah, <laughs> Enable no, my no. character to really blossom and uh-huh. come into her own and mature in ways that we didn't see in book one. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm, so that's what I'm working on. That's the primary focus. I have a few other projects, but my primary focus is figuring out where Sophia goes in book two. Yeah. I'm so curious. What you emotionally call- as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's like such a, such a silly thing, but I'm like, what do you call book two of Girl From Nowhere series? Like, <laughs> girl well I had a friend I had a girlfriend I had a actually the boy a friend suggests um she's the girl from nowhere unless she's from somewhere <laughs> there you go <laughs> which, will, which will not be the title no, that that will not fly <laughs> I'm very curious though. I'm excited well, I'm actually curious too it hasn't been titled yet so we'll yeah. have to see you'll have to give me some suggestions well I don't know you you send me the manuscript and I'll give you some suggestions good sounds good <laughs> I'll, I'll be a pre-reader for you <laughs> please anytime I love it I need all the pre-readers I can get the thing about editing is people give feedback without even meaning to and that's so fun to incorporate because like I said I, I think of myself as a reader who likes to write not as a writer so it's most important to me more than reviewers or critiquers or English majors it's how the reader feels when they read it yeah. that's what's most important to me as a writer and that will probably never change that's, that's what I think a, well, about book two that's a really important thing to think about because I think a lot of books are really well written for from a writer's perspective but maybe not as interesting yeah. to read from a reader's perspective so that's a great that's a great perspective to have as a writer oh, well, oh my gosh and I didn't even touch on I I have to ask you that there's a romantic piece in this book Sophia <laughs> falls for Axel and I loved reading those scenes and I also because I know you and like I went to school <laughs> with you your sister and you're your, like I, right. I feel like I grew up with you in some ways and right. it took me back to high school I mean it was they were so well written and I was like 
how did she do this? Because it, it, felt, skyliner it felt, I felt like a Skyliner. I felt like I was 15 or 16, like seeing the guy from with his, with his tight shirt on that you're like, oh my gosh, football practice has ended. So I have to know, like, did you go there in your head to get to those scenes? Or like, how did you draw back to, I mean, now having been married, having four kids, how do you go back to the perspective of a 15 year old girl falling in love? You know, it's funny. I guess the answer is so simple. I feel like I still am a 15 year old girl. I feel like that was, that is such, every time of life since I've loved, but there's something so amazing about 15 year old girls. And this is the part that makes me emotional. I feel like girls get so harped on for their emotions. And yet I feel like the emotions and the vulnerability and the confidence that a 15 year old girl is trying to manage is one of the most beautiful things in the world. And I love being a 15 year old girl. And I feel like there's no shame in thinking the boy is cute. There's no shame in having conflict with your friends. There's no shame in, you know, being yourself and at the same time being kind. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there's so much beauty in in adolescence. And so often we focus on all the negativity and my experience. And I, I had as wild a childhood as anyone. And I feel as though I loved my adolescence. And I had, the reason is I had people that loved me. And I think it's just fun to go back. And I think those feelings, those raw, I remember one of the first things I said to someone and they were, they were, as a reviewer, pushing back on some of Sophia's feelings towards Axel. And it was, you know, this and that. And my response was, there is something so raw and primitive about a 15 year old girl's emotions that I don't want to shame her for. Mm-hmm. And I feel really good about representing a girl that it still is 15. And it's okay to feel 15. You don't need to feel 20 or 50. You can be 15 and that's okay. And that's, I guess that's where I was. I still am a 15-year-old girl. Those raw emotions are so important to our development. And I hope girls read about them and think it's okay to be a 15-year-old girl. It yeah. is something that's beautiful and cherished every minute, even when it's hard and even when it's rough. Gosh, I'm so glad that we went there because that, what a beautiful, <laughs> what a beautiful thing to, to finish on. Oh, thank you okay. so much for sharing. Oh my gosh, it's been okay. such a treat to just like be able to yeah. dig in and hear your background and your stories and your experience. I have, well, thank I'm, you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm super excited to see this book launch into the world. Hopefully everyone listening can go pre-order right now. It's available on Amazon and everywhere, right? It's like anywhere yeah, you could buy a book, yep. please. If you want to, if you can. Yeah, you can go to your bookstore and have them pre-order it for you. I do that a lot locally in Richmond. I love there's a couple little stores that are so fun. And I can go tell them, I want this book. And they'll order it so that when it comes in, they'll just call me. I go pick it up. I can pay for it ahead of time. And so you can do that that way. I just wish you all the best. I'm so excited. You, and I'm, so I'm serious about reading book number two. So you okay, maybe I'll, just I'll pop you that it. in my inbox <laughs> and I'll help you come up with a title. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank it's been so fun to chat with you. I'll talk okay. to you soon. Okay, bye. Wasn't that a fun interview? I was so inspired by hearing about how Tiffany started out just doing something that she loved because she loved doing it. Giving herself that space to write and be creative, not for an end, but just for the process. You hear me say over and over again in this podcast that the purpose is the process. All of the checking boxes and accomplishing things is just bonus. If we can live our lives every single day giving a little bit of space to the things that matter most to us, even if no one else understands or or it doesn't matter to them, we will feel more fulfilled. I hope that you are inspired to create space for the things that you love in your life. 
Thanks so much for being here. Make sure that you subscribe if you are not already so you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. I wish you a wonderful week and I will talk to you again later. Bye-bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.